Welcome to the Hills Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us as we see Jesus glorified, lives transformed, and hope revealed in the Adelaide Hills and beyond. We hope you enjoy this message. We're going to share together around um, a theme this morning which is a little bit uh, sensitive in terms of uh, grief and loss. Who's ever felt sad before? Why are you laughing? It's not funny. How on? No, well, of course, yeah, it's a silly question. I get it. We've all felt sad and we've all experienced um, loss. I mean, when you think about it, like we're born, right? What's the first thing we do when we're born? What what is the sign that they look for uh, when we're born? Crying. Yeah. And then the doctor slaps you. <laughs> I don't know if they do that anymore, but uh, I don't remember. But what a great way to come into the world. Crying, and the first person you meet slaps you. So, um, kids. <laughs> and naked. Don't go there, Edwin. But um, we, we, you know, life, that's, that's life, right? And there's, uh, life is tough and hard. And as I said uh, last week, we're going through a series called Emotionally healthy spirituality or, or growing up in Jesus or becoming more like Jesus. And I said last week, I said the week before, as we go through some of this content, if you, know, you have a sense of a button pressed or, or just the sense of God saying, I'd like to talk with you about that or work with you with that, um, reach out to our elders, pastors, um, LifeWell, our, our counselling centre, which we have for uh, supporting people and helping people through difficult times, and it's okay. Uh, we want to be a church that normalises not being okay and not being ashamed of that. So uh, that's just a bit of an invitation. But let me pray as we get going and ask for God's help. But as I do, I want you to just close your eyes if if you're happy to do that, and. Um, Take a deep breath, a couple of breaths. And let's take a moment just to be still before God. Psalm 37 says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. And Jesus says to you, to me, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Unclutter our hearts, O God, Until we are quiet enough to hear you, to hear you speak out of the silence. 
Help us, Lord, in these few moments to stop, to listen, to wait, to be still, and to allow your presence to envelop us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Trent, and everyone leading this morning. It's been good to uh, sing and worship together. And thanks, Andy, for the update. Was Andy, and also particularly the the amount of grunt work and heap of work that Andy and, and others around the church community are doing behind the scenes. And so particularly to Andy, just want to say thank you. Really appreciate your conscientiousness and your diligence um, in picking up things that I often miss. So thank you so much, Andy. I appreciate it. So where are we going? What is God doing in your life and my life? What, what is he looking to accomplish like salvation kind of like amalgamation it's not a point in time though it is there's a point at which we cross from darkness into light and just because you've been in church for a while that doesn't necessarily mean that you've crossed that line with Jesus there's a point at which you come into a saving relationship with with the creator through Jesus Christ and sitting in church growing up in a Christian family doesn't guarantee that um, but it can help so there's a point at which we cross over, but it's not like a destination. It's the beginning of a, of a whole journey, a new way of living. And we've looked at it a couple of times here. I'm supposed to move that, I think. Um, so he, Jesus is the one we as a church proclaim uh, admonishing. It's a fairly strong word, actually, admonishing. If you admonish someone, it's not a scold. It's not a kind of a rebuke. But it's a strong word. We admonish each other um, and teach each other with all wisdom so that we may, this is the Apostle Paul talking, present everyone fully mature, perfected, become like Jesus um, as much as we can in this life with his grace in Christ. That's, that's kind of where God's leading us, to grow us, to mature us. I was thinking about it this week. It's like, yeah, Jesus loves you but everyone else finds you really annoying. Um, that, that's not what we want to be as, <laughs> as Christians. You know, it's like, yeah, Jesus loves me, but everyone else thinks you're a pain in the bum. Um, we want to kind of, you know, become more loving, sweeter in Jesus, grow in him, and, um, and you know, we're not perfect, and we're doing that together, right? And uh, we've still got a way to go, but we're not where we were. Uh, and so part of the problem, just if you're visiting today and you haven't been in the last couple of weeks, is... Um, about emotional health and maturity. Um, they cannot be separated. It's not possible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. When we ignore the emotional component of our lives, we move through the motions of Christian disciplines, activities, behaviours. So we're outwardly kind of Christian, but we're not changing inside. Um, deeply rooted behavioural patterns from our past can continue to hinder us from an authentic, vulnerable, I would say, life of maturity in Christ. And then um, we often neglect to reflect on what is going on inside of us and around us uh, and are too busy to slow down to be with God, contemplative spirituality, taking time to reflect. As a result, we run the risk of remaining stuck as spiritual infants. Talked last week about being a Christian for 20 years or 30 years or 50 years, but actually 
having one year's Christian growth and experience 20 times or 30 times or 50 times, just cycling around without really um, moving into what God has for us, becoming more and more like Jesus. As a result, yeah, we can get stuck as spiritual infants, failing to develop into spiritually, emotionally mature adults in Christ. So again, it's not a case of God doesn't accept us where we are and God doesn't love us where he finds us. He does, and our salvation is complete. This isn't like an extra thing we have to do, but it's just part of that gospel that Jesus brings, not just a gospel to save us from our sins, though it is, not just a gospel to save us from death and judgment, though it is, but a gospel to help us become more fully who God wants us to be and and who we're meant to be in him. And then we, we looked at being out of balance in our spiritual lives. And yesterday when we had our elders retreat, you need to know that this is a whiteboard here, we discovered, and so you can write on it. And we had like, we we listed actually on this screen as well, all the stuff we're doing as a church. And it was unbelievable. We ran out of room to list all the groups, all the ministries, all the things that are going on, potlucks, supermarket pickups, prison ministries, mission groups, so much play groups, youth group, children's ministries. We kind of listed it all. There was so much going on. And it's like churches as well as people, we've got to be careful that we're not just doing heaps for God, but not having the quality of of walking with God and living out of his strength and out of his grace. So we want to balance between our being with God, our spiritual lives, paying attention to what he's doing in us and, um, and not just running ahead of him and also then serving out of that place of walking with him and being with him. And it's not easy in this world to do that, um, but it's not impossible. So today we're looking at grief and loss and how God wants to use grief and loss in our lives um, as we serve him. Loss is a place where self-knowledge and powerful transformation can happen. If we have the courage to participate fully in the process, we all face many deaths within our lives. Our culture, though, routinely interprets these losses and griefs as alien invasions and interruptions to our normal lives. The choice is whether these deaths will be terminal, crushing our spirit and life, or will open us up to a new, new possibilities and depths of transformation in Christ. So there's two ways to, to look at grief and loss there. It's like this is alien, foreign, we've got to try and get away from it and ignore it or run it past it, Or as people who follow Jesus, the man of sorrows acquainted with grief, uh, we learn to live with the grief with God and to let God speak to us and teach us in those places of grief and loss. Now, really, you're all adults here as far as I can see. There's no little kids, but everyone's experienced grief or loss in this room. And some of you are experiencing it right now in a really... Um, potent way and it might be a little bit um, simplistic to say but I think there's three types of people in the world three types of people in this room there's people who are going through significant grief and loss right now there's people who have just recently been through significant grief and loss and are kind of coming to a a new place from that. And there are people who sometime in the future will go through 
significant grief and loss. So that includes everyone. And you can't avoid that. You can't run away from that. And thinking about that again through the week, I was kind of reminded that um, our faith, Christian faith, is not an escape hatch. (laughs) Um, It's not an escape hatch to get away from things. I, I wrote, Christianity is not an escape route from life's pains and problems. It's a pathway through them walking with Jesus. But to be aware and to pay attention to that grief and loss. C.S. Lewis, the great author, once said, I didn't go to religion or Christianity to make me happy. I always knew a good bottle of port would do that. (laughs) If you want a religion or a faith to make you feel really comfortable, I certainly don't recommend Christianity. So you're going to go, well, what's the benefit for? Like, I signed up for God. You know, I want my life to go well. I want my kids to work out. I want everything to fall into place. I want to have less pain and problems. I think on measure, yes, following Jesus is the wisest, best way to live. It may not be the easiest path in this life, but it's the best path. And I think there's much more to lose than not following Jesus than following Jesus. There's much more to miss out on and to lose. Um, But nonetheless... Jesus doesn't necessarily take us around our pain and loss or flying over the top of it, but through it with him. The Lord is my shepherd. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. And that's where Jesus wants to take us. And as a church community, we want to help each other through that as well. There's different ways that people kind of express grief in our culture as well. We need to be aware of that. Different cultures have different ways to express grief. Personally, half of my family is Greek, um, and that's kind of more of an expressive, emotive kind of way of experiencing grief. Um, The other side is kind of Anglo-Celtic, and that's perhaps more the stiff upper lip, you know, kind of hold it together thing. I tend to think that um, I err on the side of expressiveness is... I think, probably more helpful in the long run than bottling it up. Um, That's just me. You might have a different view of how we express grief publicly, how we um, engage with grief and loss. uh, And some cultures are very much duty and stiff upper lip. Um, Others are very expressive. I don't think it's helpful, though, to expect... Just to hold that tension carefully because... If you're more of a stiff upper lip, kind of hold it together, don't show expressions of emotion if you're sad, that's okay, your choice, but not everyone will have that, so that doesn't mean that we inflict that on other people. Often you'll hear someone say something like, oh, you know, at the funeral, she was, she was wonderful. And what they mean was <laughs> she didn't like cry a lot or show a lot of emotion or expression. I'm thinking, maybe that's not wonderful. Um, and as we look to Jesus in a minute, maybe we'll see a way of experiencing, expressing grief that is Christ-like and biblical. So keep in mind as we look at grief and loss, we're not looking without hope. Um, we're not looking as, as people without hope. The Bible says there is a time to weep and there's a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn and a time to dance. And it's knowing which time is which, right? Brothers and sisters, 
uh, says Paul, we don't want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, about Christians who have died, so that, we, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. And death really freaks people out in our culture. That's why um, we're so, we avoid it uh, so much in our culture. But Paul says, don't worry about it. We don't want to ignore it, but we don't want to grieve as though we have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and that we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. So we, we have hope in our grief, especially around death, uh, and we don't grieve uh, as those without hope. But what are a few ways that we deal with grief and loss in our society, and maybe even the church, that aren't helpful and healthy? Here's a few. Um, the inward symptoms. Denial or minimisation. So ignoring it or just hiding your grief and your loss. Um, it's not helpful. I mean, obviously we have to operate if you're a parent with little kids or you know, you're in a job with you know, certain responsibilities. You can't just be falling apart all the time. You know, I get that. But ultimately it has to be expressed. It has to be brought out into the open and, and acknowledged. Um, secondly, blaming yourself or others inappropriately. So maybe um, you know, deflecting the, the pain and the loss, the grief onto yourself um, in a way that's not appropriate or onto others, blaming them uh, is another way we can cope, but it's not a good way to cope. Um, thirdly, rationalising or intellectualising, just being stuck in our head. I don't want to be too gender specific, but I tend to have found over the years this can be more of a male problem than a female one, though I'm not wanting to exclude females either, um, but rationalising, intellectualising and, um, and not really paying attention to, to what's going on deep in our hearts and our lives. There may be some inward symptoms, maybe some outward symptoms, especially in church communities, can be fake Christian happiness. Doesn't it take so much energy to keep a mask on? Can we just, hands up, who's, who doesn't want to wear a mask in church and doesn't want to have to just be fake? Yeah, me too. <laughs> hands up, who's ever done that in church? <laughs> no, don't do that. Um, now, there again, there are times when, yeah, you don't want to just, everyone you meet, you fall to pieces and you, you're a blubbering mess. Yeah, of course. And you don't want to have to go into everything with everyone. But maybe there's a way to say, I've been thinking about this recently, maybe there's a way to say, hey, yeah, I'm well, there's some things in my life which are hard and hurting right now, but I'm well. I'm well with God, but there's some things which are really difficult for me right now, and I appreciate if you remember me in your prayers. Whatever it might be, you know, there's a way to do it as well, but not, not to have to hide that I'm, I'm struggling with sadness or sorrow or I'm, I'm feeling depressed or I'm, I'm going through loss and grief. Um, number five, unhealthy reliance on something or someone else. The use of alcohol and drugs inappropriately in our culture is just going up exponentially in so many ways. And it's a way to medicate. It's a way people do that um, to help with the pain. There are a whole other range of things too. Maybe workaholism. Maybe thinking, oh, because I've got my superannuation sorted or I'm fine financially. That You're relying on other things to kind of get you through. Or your family, I've got my family, you know, that's the main thing. Uh, you know, what are we relying on? Is it God through these valleys, through these dark places? Or is it things and people um, in a way that's unhealthy, dependence? Um, number six, hostility or spilling over, just your, ang your grief turning into anger. Um, and because you're hurting so much or it's so painful, it just becomes uh, anger and it spills over into hostility and pushing people away. Um, 
there's some things, some ways we can act in the light of our grief, our loss, in inappropriate ways. What are some healthy responses? Uh, and again, this is a pretty light flyover. I get that. That's why I said at the start, if you need to talk more about some of these things, do take it further. Um, pay attention, I think, is, is one of the key things that Pete Scazzaro, one of the, the authors of some of the material working through, um, says to us is pay attention to what's going on. Like, where have you experienced loss and grief? And it can be kind of subtle. Like even a transition from high school to university or changing jobs or um, moving house, all sorts of ways where we can be in a sense of loss. We've lost something. And it's kind of there. We're not, we haven't really acknowledged it. We haven't really acknowledged the, the transition or the loss or the pain that we've experienced. So paying attention to what's going on in your life. And Job, um, in the Old Testament, one of the most interesting, disturbing, challenging books in the Bible is the book of Job. And it's, it's such a great book, such a challenging book. And just most of you may know the story, but just quickly, a, a very upright, godly person who lived a, a moral life following the law and was honoured because of his righteousness and his obedience to God. He was a, he was a good, solid churchman, um, faithful. And yet then his world fell apart. Uh, and it fell apart because God agreed to let it fall apart in a deal with the devil, go figure. His world fell apart and he lost everything. He lost family, he lost wealth, he lost health, he lost it all. And there's like 35 chapters, 34 chapters of Job working through this grief. And it was just a case of, oh, well, you know, get on with it or, you know, just move on. No, he, he paid attention to what was going on. He explored his loss and his grief, and he brought it before God. And it's, it's at times quite, um, quite difficult to read and very emotional, very, um, very raw, that book. But he brings his reality of his life into the open. His friends are around him, though they're not a great help, ultimately, but at least they're there. And he says at the beginning of this journey, naked I came from my mother's womb, naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And he says, shall we accept good from God and not trouble? He pays attention to his loss, to his brokenness, but he does it in the light of God and his faith. And he wrestles between the tension that he's experiencing there. And we need to do the same as well. And he says this, um, he got up, tore his robe, shaved his head, or, sorry, then he did this, and he fell to the ground in worship. So the shaving of the head, the tearing of his robe, he put ashes on his head as well, was a way of acknowledging the grief. My life is terrible. My life has fallen apart. I'm experiencing incredible pain. I, I'm distraught. I'm distressed. He's signifying to those around him that he's in deep pain. He's in deep grief. And yet he, he turns to God in that grief. He doesn't turn away from God, though he has lots of questions. He has lots of questions for God, which in the end, if you read through the book, God never answers his questions. God actually questions him. Um, but seeing God... And knowing God is the ultimate answer to all of his questions. I often think that people say, when I get to heaven, you know, I'm going to be asking God, why this and why that and why that? 
I think, yeah, I understand that I get that, but no, you're not. <laughs> you're just not. And you're going to, like Job, fall down with, with the glorious vision of the Almighty. And all of your questions will be swallowed up in his glory in that moment. And so Job still turns to God in his grief. And listen to what his friends do as a healthy response initially. They sat on the ground with him. Notice that? With him for seven days and seven nights. Listen to this bit. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. There's a temptation, isn't there, as sometimes when we are confronted with a friend suffering or a family member to want to speak into that, and there is a time to speak. But I reckon a person in grief and loss, what they most need is presence without advice. And I remember when my mum died in 1998 in Adelaide. She had a nine-month illness with a brain tumour. I was in Melbourne, was coming, was studying to be a minister, was coming back and forth, and it was such a difficult time. And my mum died, had many deaths. You know, she lost her hair, and then she lost her speech, then she lost her mobility. So it was like a number of deaths. Each time I came back was like another death. And I remember when she died, and I went back to Melbourne, and... I was just struggling with this loss. And I just I remember thinking, how does anyone cope with, with this kind of loss if they don't know Jesus? Like how difficult, how empty. It was hard enough knowing Jesus. And I remember I went back to Bible college. There was a beautiful couple who uh, were at the Bible college and they were chaplains. He was a retired Church of Christ minister. And I was just in the line one morning for a cup of tea during one of our sort of study breaks and um, and Shirley just came up to me and just looked at me and just took my arm and eyes filled with tears and didn't say a word <laughs> and just stood there with me and that was the most that was the best gift I had through that time of loss was presence without advice or some pat Christian answer just being with people being present, not being present prayerfully, but not having to try and minimize their sadness or their suffering, not having to try and brush over it or make it all fine. Um, that's a really powerful thing to do um, to one another uh, when we're experiencing grief. Um, Megan, would you mind coming up, please? Thank you for being so patient and reading. We're going to hear the story from Gethsemane and then just look at that for a few moments before we share communion together. Thanks, Megan. Uh, yeah, use that mic there. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit over here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, My father, if it is possible, 
may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. And when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Thanks, Megan. And what a powerful um, modelling of, of prayer, of, of sorrow, of grief. Um, just move there. That Jesus gives to us. The man of sorrows acquainted with grief. My, God, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. I love that there's no dark place. There's no... There's no point of grief or loss that we can experience as human beings that Christ himself has not experienced. And that's a beautiful gift to humanity. Um, a, a powerful God, but a suffering saviour. He falls with his face to the ground. My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. And Jesus shows us that we need to pay attention to our grief and to our loss. What, what's happening He's not just like, oh, well, I'm going to the cross and then I'll be raised in three days. All bonds are blokes, you know. It's going to be great. Um, no, he's there. He's there in the middle of the, the suffering. He bears it. He feels it. But he's in the in-between. And this is part of the, the movement of our suffering as Christians, our, our loss, our grief, is waiting um, in the confusing in-between where we're kind of Good Friday's one side, Easter Sunday is the other side, but we're in between. And Paul puts it like this. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. There's a waiting in the grief, a waiting in the loss. We're not stuck um, necessarily, but we have to wait in that space for God to come, for God to change the situation, for God to bring about the hope that he has. And we see in the life of Job, God did something in that life for Job to restore and to bless. That's not a promise for everyone all time, but the promise for us, for all of us all time, is that God will restore. He will bring the hope that we long for into being, into fruition. Christ will appear. When we die, we will see him. There will be resolution. But it's a now and it's a not yet kind of waiting when we're suffering and when we're grieving. And, and that's just the way it is. Uh, we can't 
push that. We can't rush that. Jesus has to go to the cross. He's in the ground for three days. He's raised to life. And we now live in between that suffering of Good Friday, a saviour who empathises and who understands us, and then looking ahead to the saviour that will come in glory to raise us to new life, where there'll be no more suffering, no more death, no more pain. So we also need to embrace the limits of our humanity and, and do that with humility. We are um, not eternal. We are um, powerless at some points to change our circumstances. Job said, naked I came from my mother's womb, naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. It's this humble submission to God. What does God owe me? Nothing. God doesn't owe me anything. And yet he gives me everything in Jesus Christ. But nonetheless, there's a humble submission here. Knowing my limits, knowing that God can use my suffering and will use my suffering for his glory and for his greater good. As Job said, shall we accept from God good and not trouble? We embrace that we have limits. We will suffer. We will struggle. We will experience pain. We will experience grief. And God doesn't promise to take all that away in this life. Though sometimes you know, he brings great change and great intervention, which is wonderful, in this life. But we have the hope that he hears, that he's with us, that he's in us by his spirit, and he will bring all things together for good. He will bring about the hope that we long for. And so we embrace our limits, and we embrace that with humility. And look at Jesus, how he did that. It says, going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. I don't want this suffering, God. I don't want this grief. I don't want this pain. I don't want this loss. If it's possible, take it away from me. And then he says, Yet not as I will, but your will. That's a great way for us to approach suffering too. I don't want to be going through this, Lord. I didn't ask for this. I don't want this. But let your will be done. Let your will be done in my life. That's the most important thing. And so finally, um, letting the old give birth to the new. Because of Jesus, we're not going to be stuck in suffering and grief forever. We're not going to experience loss and pain forever. That's the joy of the gospel. And as I said, Job was restored. The Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. Go, Job. Three cheers for Job. That's great. And that's a symbol and a sign, though, for all of us in Christ that that's what God will do for you. That's what he'll do for me. He will restore. He will bless. The, the future is better and brighter because of Jesus. But the immediate future will have challenges, will have loss, and will have grief. And we need not think in those times that we've done something wrong or God's forgotten us or we didn't pray hard enough or perhaps it's my fault or someone else's fault. We do suffer in this world. Jesus said in this world, you will have troubles, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So back to Pete Scazzaro. One of the central messages of Christianity is that suffering and death bring resurrection and new life. Good grieving is not just about letting go, but also letting it bless us. 
The quickest way to reach the sun and the light of day is not to run west chasing after it. It might be east in our case. He's in another part of the world. But to head wherever the, you know, east to west. <laughs> the darkness. And to, where does the sun rise again? Let's get this right. Sun rises in the east. Hang on. Who, who thinks the sun rises in the east? Who thinks it rises in the west? I don't know. <laughs> But I'm going with all of you. Um, <laughs> but ahead east into the darkness. Anyway, you know what he's saying, right? <laughs> we get the metaphor. That's all right. Um, and then the Apostle John puts it a little bit more plainly uh, and he writes this, the revelation of Jesus, the vision of Jesus. When I saw the risen Jesus, I fell at his feet as though dead. Didn't have a heap of questions that he's lining up for Jesus. When you see Jesus, you'll likely want to fall down like you're dead. Because so powerful, glorious, beautiful, and wonderful. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades. And that's the good news that we have. Not necessarily everything perfect in this life and everything resolving in this life how we want, um, but ultimately it will be resolved in the life to come, the promise that Jesus offers us. So this is, um, I want to ask those questions, this is who we are. That's you in the middle, you and me. We've got the, the suffering and the grief of the cross on one side. And we've got the hope and the joy of the resurrection on the other side. But it's important that you be careful and avoid an over-realized eschatology. That's what you came here to hear this morning. <laughs> an over-realized eschatology. Okay, that's a, that's a danger for Christians, as is an under-realized eschatology. So an over-realized eschatology is, is, is trying to be in here, okay, when we're actually living here. When actually just saying, we kind of project everything out to the future and we ignore pain, we ignore suffering, we ignore loss, we ignore grief. It's all good, hallelujah. You know, and I've, I know people that sometimes, you know, you meet them, it's like, yeah, you know, it just, it's, it's all too much. And it's like, no, hang on, we're, we're in here, people. Jesus has died, he's, he's suffered for us. We're still living in a broken world with pain and suffering and sorrow. Um, but we're heading towards this, so we have hope and we have joy. But we're waiting in this tension. We're an Easter Saturday people. It's Good Friday, it's Sunday. We're an Easter Saturday people. But we're heading to Easter Sunday, which is good news. Let's pray, folks, as the band comes up and we'll share communion together. Uh, let me pray for us. And you pray as well. I just want to pray for our, a few people in our church and um, you pray for them as well, people on your hearts. So let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for... Um, the truth in Jesus that, that we don't have to feel ashamed or embarrassed by suffering, by grief and loss. And Lord, there are people here right now in this room, all of us have experienced loss and grief to some degree. Lord, there are people who are experiencing it very acutely right now. And Lord, we're humble enough to, to say we don't know what grief awaits us or how soon that grief might come. And so, Lord, we surrender. We humbly surrender. And we pray that in our sorrow, 
in our loss, in our sadness, in our grief, that we will walk with you in it, that we will pay attention to what's going on, that we would keep coming to you even when we're hurting, even when we don't see you or, or feel you or, or wonder if you're still with us, that we would have faith in those times, in those valleys, to turn to you. Lord, we pray that we would um, not only pay attention, but that we would know that we, we need you, that we are dependent, that we have limits, that we can't solve and resolve our griefs and our losses just on our own. So we pray for wisdom. We pray for your grace. Lord, I want to pray also for, for those of us who are carrying grief and loss that, that is a burden. And it's just a weight. And it's unresolved. And it's just um, causing us to, to miss out on, on life. Uh, Lord, because we're ignoring it or we're, we're not paying attention. So Lord, bring to mind by your spirit, we pray. Bring to mind by your spirit, we pray those things which uh, you want to bring healing and comfort to in our lives. Lord, we want to lift up to you our dear friends and, and family um, in Christ, Sarah and Kev and uh, Juliet, Titus and Evangeline. Lord, that family's experiencing great grief with Kev's mum dying. Um, within a month, Lord, from diagnosis to death and they are rattled by that and it's a deep shock of grief and loss for them and Sarah with her journey with cancer Lord Jesus we lift up the Mosby family to you Lord we pray for your grace we pray that we can continue to be present to them pray prayerful for them uh, and loving putting our loving arms around them Lord Jesus in this time of grief and we pray also Lord for Steve and Anthea Polglace and their family Steve continues to be unwell uh, and continues to struggle in his um, journey with cancer. Lord Jesus, have mercy on them. We pray again that we can show love and care, compassion. Lord Jesus, but also with hope that our grief, our sorrow, our suffering and our death is not hopeless in Christ. And so, Lord, I, I want to read these words um, from the, the end of the Bible. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them. And he will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things have passed away. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Hills Baptist Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in developing and equipping passionate disciples who love God, love people, and boldly share the gospel, you can do that at hillsbaptist.com forward slash giving. We pray this message has empowered you to live and love more like Jesus. Have an amazing day.